Very few things are more deadly than an assassin. This is because an assassin is a killer hidden in plain sight. Sometimes the death is instantaneous, like a high-profile assassination. Or it can be a slow poisoning over time that deteriorates the body until it cannot fight back. Ladies and gentlemen, friends and foes, I present to you one of the deadliest adversaries you will ever face. An adversary you have been facing much longer than you can imagine. I present to you modernity. If you want to hear the anti-modern thesis, search for episode 3. But if you don't think you have the time, another tenet of modernity might I add, then feel free to carry on. You're a smart crowd. After all, you made it this far. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Anti-Modern episode 25. Today we're looking at the Andrew Tate phenomenon and why it is so hard, or has been so hard, to steal the young men from his grasp and influence. But before we get into that, a little bit about what has been going on at House Mbewe. Uh, on my end, I have enrolled in a master's program this year. It's a master's in pastoral theology at the African Christian University. And quite frankly, it has taken a lot more out of me than I had initially expected. It has affected my usual production of blogs and podcasts. Um, and uh, I'm still adjusting to that dynamic slightly. Uh, but it has been good. The studies have been excellent and uh, lots to learn, lots of stuff. Um, you you probably see it expressed in the podcast somehow or other. And Mrs. Zen is doing well. She had traveled on work-related affairs and uh, was away for just over three weeks. Those were some hard three weeks. Yo, the married people will tell you, those were some hard three weeks. I do not know how people uh, manage, but uh, God protected us in, uh, in that period. Uh, it was tough. That's probably a story for another day or another podcast. We'll, uh, we'll see how we can bring that in. Um, while she was away, I had embarked on a project. There's this thing that I, I like to do when my wife takes a, takes a trip. Keep this little secret between us. Don't tell her. But yeah, when my wife goes away for uh, a trip, I like to um, put a project that has been on hold at the house for a while and complete it. So that when she arrives home, she gets to see the complete project. So this time around, it was a project that she was not expecting. She had not been told about it at all. I had uh, put together a relationship timeline on, uh, on the wall. It's like a feature within, uh, within our house, telling the story of, uh, of us over the years. We've been married for four years. And so uh, over the course of time that we have uh, been married, I have uh, put up two images that uh, tell the story of 2019. Uh, before we got married, uh, 2019, when we got married, 2020, two images, 2021 and 2022, just to tell the story. And uh, if you are standing in our living room, you can look at the wall and see uh, the story of, of us. And over the years, we'll keep adding to them. Who knows, maybe over time we might reduce them to one picture each because, you know, there's only enough wall in our little mansionette. Uh, but yeah, that's... Uh, that has been us. She came home. She really liked it. She, she really likes it. Still likes it. So I, I'm, uh, looks like I'm winning. Uh, I'm winning over here. Anyway, without further ado, without uh, uh, taking too much of your time with the affairs of House Mbewe, on to the episode. Why we cannot beat Andrew Tate. 
a lot of people are angry or frustrated with Andrew Tate. He has successfully become the most polarizing figure on the world stage, upstaging even Donald Trump. But whereas Trump announced his arrival through the TV screens of living rooms, Tate made his entrance through mobile phones in the bedrooms of young men. Interestingly, there are parents worldwide who are more concerned with their sons watching clips of Andrew Tate than they are their boys' use of pornography and masturbation, even citing reputable sources like Planned Parenthood. But that is a story for another day. Tate, the villain. Since I became aware of the Andrew Tate phenomenon, I have wondered what problems people have with him. Column inches, blog posts, articles, and Facebook posts have been read, and yet I still struggled to put my finger on it. Why are people so infuriated by this man? As much as people complain about it, I doubt it's Tate's sketchy character. The fact that he's not in contention by now. Those enraged by this are not as bothered by other sketchy characters their young men are listening to or following on social media platforms. People like musicians, actors, socialites, sports stars, and the like. They are disturbed even more by this particular sketchy character. I doubt it is the charges of sex trafficking and money laundering that he and his brother are currently facing. They are very comfortable indulging in and encouraging their young people to watch garbage like Game of Thrones, Ozark, The Wolf of Wall Street, Breaking Bad, and other things that paint sex, theft, violence, and money-related crimes in good light. I doubt it is the interest their young men have in Tate, since most older people couldn't be paid to spend time with their children or mentor other young men. They're too busy building their empires or social distancing from their own families while in the same house. They have been throwing screens in front of their children to distract them for years in order to not be disturbed by their children's desire for attention. I think the outrage over Tate is actually over him stealing the hearts of their young men, whereas they have failed. When Tate speaks, their young men listen. When he advises, they pay attention. Tate has had more success getting their young men to be serious and leave laziness behind, albeit for all the wrong reasons, than they have. It isn't so much that Tate has the interest of the young men. What they dislike is that for all their good advice about climate change, life, God, and the Bible, they cannot seem to get the young men to listen. Then here comes this rambunctious, bald-headed scoundrel on the screen, and he has succeeded where they have failed. The current strategy cannot beat Tate. When parents are scolding a young man for keeping up with bad company, they frequently fire over the head of the young man. They use the kind of language that will make sense to them in the hope of getting through to him. They talk at him rather than talking to him. This strategy works at times but frequently does not address the actual issues the young man has. They would tell the young man something along the lines of, don't follow that person. They aren't going anywhere in life. Except, from the vantage point of the young man, this scoundrel actually looks like he is going somewhere nice, if not that he has already arrived. In fact, the scoundrel looks like he is going further than the people who are scolding him. The words of the parents may be true, but they are not showing the young man what he needs to see. They are talking at him and not talking to him. Thus, he can easily walk away thinking his parents can never understand. The same thing is happening in conversations around Tate. A couple of examples might be helpful here. Quote, Andrew Tate is popular because he sets a model, a paradigm even, of how to live. We serve Jesus Christ who calls us to live in imitation of him. Can we, in humility, say to our young men and women like Paul says to the Philippians, imitate me as I imitate Christ? End quote. King, 2023. Quote, For better or worse, young men are attracted to confidence and conviction. They eagerly look for role, male role models, so we can't passively respond to Tate and his influence. Dads, pastors, and men of the church must be bold, clear, and persuasive. End quote. Greenwald, 2023. Quote, 
If evangelical men were just as willing to be cancelled, if we were more candid and more courageous, young men in the church wouldn't think Tate is so interesting, end quote, say 2023. All these are true, but the truth alone is not going to get to the young men who are listening to Tate. You see, there are a lot of men on the internet who have tried the Tate strategy, or what they think to be the Tate strategy, and do not have his reach or influence. The young men see something in him that they do not see in the others, and it is more than the facts alone. The facts alone will not get the young men out because that is not the main thing that got them hooked on Tate to begin with. All these statements are true, but the truth alone is not going to get to the young men who are listening to Tate. You see, there are a lot of men on the internet who have tried the Tate strategy, or what they think to be the Tate strategy, and do not have his reach or influence. The young men see something in him that they do not see in the others, and it is more than the facts alone. The facts alone will not get the young men out because that is not the main thing that got them hooked on Tate to begin with. They did not just go to Tate because he is a Christ-like figure, at least not overtly. So the call to imitate you as you imitate Christ is true, but misses the mark. They did not go to Tate because he is confident and confrontational. They see enough confident and confrontational men online in the form of Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, Jordan Peterson and others, but do not follow them as much. They also see a lot of confident and confrontational people in Christian circles with people online or in their church who are constantly defending the truth against the threats posed by other people's doctrine. They did not just go to Tate because in his bravery he was willing to be cancelled. They have seen a lot of other guys like that on the internet and in their churches and haven't had their hearts won over by such men putting forward such efforts. The ironic thing is that they were won over by something much simpler. Tate Hospitality while everyone else kept them at arm's length and simply slapped them in the face with facts that don't care about your feelings, Tate seemingly let them in. They feel like they know him because that is the image he has created. In a very real sense, he has brought them into his home and showed them relations with a brother and father that they long to have, showing them a life of money, cars, popularity, and women that they long to have. They long to have this because this desire is baked into the hearts of young men. A mission and a world to conquer, a brotherhood that will run with you and not betray you, success and the comfort of a woman, all women who will be faithful to you, freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want, and the ability to ditch the women who lose their value to you. The young men know more about Tate than they know about the men who are shouting at them about listening to Tate. Whereas Tate brought them in, all the other men do is reprimand them and fail to understand what is actually going on. The same play is being run by the LGB community. Why is it that they seem to be attractive to young men and women? Among other things, it is that they let them into their lives. Their lives may be broken, but at least they let one another in. Rosaria Butterfield, one of the foremost voices in Christendom around the matters of LGB and hospitality, says, quote, The LGBTQ community values hospitality and applies it with skill, sacrifice, and integrity, end quote. While everyone else seems to be talking at them and shouting at them, these people let them in and that is a game changer. While you shout or try to convince them with speeches that may be true, the young people go away thinking you don't know the person, but I do. What you are describing is not them or what they are all about. Talking at them will not work. You have to let them in and that part is a lot more difficult, which is partially why we do not do it as much as we should. It is also why our strategy is failing to beat Tate real hospitality. Tate was intentional about his message, though I doubt he knew that the hospitality factor is what won the day. Christian hospitality is equally as intentional, but it is not aimed at convincing anyone of one particular thing. Instead, it brings people in and shows them what the real world really is. 
It shows a world that is not always rosy and perfect. Sometimes dishes break and the house gets messy. And when it does, someone has to clean it up. It shows homes where children don't always listen, but that is dealt with in a way that honors Christ. At times with a spanking and other times with a good-natured talking to. It shows a world where money exists and affects life, but is not everything. Whether the amount of money is ridiculously high or ridiculously low, it shows truth, but it goes further than that because it also shows goodness and beauty as well. Tate tapped into a vein that showed the young men that he lives in the real world. Except he lied, and he's still lying because his isn't the real world. He is just as much a part of the matrix as the people he derides. Christian, the world you know and should know, shaped by the lenses of God's word, is the real one. Let people in so that they can see it. Pull them out by opening the door to truth, beauty, and goodness in your home, but especially in your life. In segment two, I'd like to dig into this idea, this concept of hospitality and explain why it works, why exactly it is potent. You see, when we are speaking to these young men, um, I'm trying to get them to, to pay attention, we are standing in the position of a teacher, a teacher who is reprimanding them, a teacher who is correcting them, a teacher who is encouraging them and the like. However, the potency of the teacher tends to also be tied in to the gift that the teacher has to communicate certain things. And not all of us are gifted communicators in that sense. Some of the things that we say simply go over the heads of the young men uh, because we're, we are unable to grasp the question that, the, that they are asking, the, the things, the needs that they're bringing forward. Uh, and this is normal because not all of us are skilled communicators at that level. We are not all as potent as we should be. And at times, even the young men who are speaking are unable to properly articulate where the bone of contention is. What is the issue that has to be addressed? And so it's like the blind leading the blind. They are, they are having issues. We are unable to address them because we are not the communicators that we need to be. However, in us attempting to be these skilled communicators and addressing the problems there by reprimanding or encouraging or exhorting or these, these young men, uh, the reason why we tend to miss the mark here um, is, is, is something that can be seen, I think, in, in two examples, by contrasting two examples. And um, um, these two examples are John MacArthur and Douglas Wilson, Pastor John MacArthur and Pastor Douglas Wilson. Uh, now, what I'm bringing forward here is not that one's method is uh, better than the other, but the giftedness um, in which, uh, the, the giftedness that they have is, 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 is explained, is brought out through all of this. And it, um, you know, by saying this, it, it could be that, uh, it could be intimated that I'm saying Douglas Wilson is less gifted than, uh, than uh, uh, Pastor John MacArthur. And, uh, but that's not exactly the case. Uh, it is, John MacArthur is a, is a gifted teacher. Uh, when he speaks, people listen. He has just as much loyalty baked in or bought um, uh, towards him as uh, Douglas Wilson would have in terms of the intensity of the loyalty. When John MacArthur says something, uh, the, 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 the men that, 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 that follow him, they listen. Um, um, there's, a, there's, there's an example that has been raging in, uh, uh, in the Christian world over the last couple of weeks, and that is John MacArthur uh, released a statement in, the, in one of his sermons where he says, we lose down here. And the people who follow him have latched onto that, and they totally understand what he means by we lose down here. Uh, and, and 
any sort of criticism that is coming towards that point of view, they are staunch. We know what he means. We believe in his message. You don't understand. This is what the word of God says, right? They are standing on what John MacArthur is, uh, has put forward. Uh, with Douglas Wilson, on, 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 on the other hand, what you have is uh, uh, a, a way in which through his ministry, he has brought people in. He has brought people in. It, they, they, the young men feel like they know him. He's almost like an Uncle Doug rather than Pastor Douglas Wilson. Right? He, has, he has brought them into his home. Uh, they know the name of his wife. They know the name of his children. They, they know a little bit of what, what goes on in his life day to day. They know um, uh, what car he used to drive. They know, um, they know things about his life in such a way that they feel as though they have been there, like they know him. In contrast, Pastor John MacArthur, uh, how many people know the name of his wife? How many know the name of, uh, of his children? All right. And, and these, are, these are among the people who listen to them, maybe the staunch, uh, uh, the staunch uh, listeners to these people know the name of uh, his, his wife and his children. But from the, the, peop- the, the followers of Pastor John MacArthur, if you will, I'm using followers gently, they don't follow him because he's specifically brought them into his life. As a gifted teacher, he's able to communicate to the heart of the matter that's dealing with them. And in that, he's able to rebuke, correct, encourage, and exhort, right? Because of his giftedness as a teacher. So it's this contrast that's there. One of them is able to speak into the lives of these people because of a sort of hospitality. They they have come in. He's brought them in through a certain level of hospitality, even over digital platform. And this will be dealt with in next week's blog uh, at detail, at length. Um, But yes, he has somehow brought them in Doug Wilson has somehow brought them in and the loyalty that he has brought over because of that is, it's quite immense. There, there are people just as diehard as they are with John MacArthur, uh, they would be diehard uh, uh, for Doug Wilson. Now, here's the thing. For the average human being, which one are you more likely to achieve? The teaching authority over John MacArthur with his giftedness or hospitality bringing these young men in, bringing them into your life such that they get to know you. They get to see what's actually going on in your life and compare and contrast it with what they're seeing on the internet and listening to with characters like Andrew Tate on the internet. You see, whereas Andrew Tate sort of speaks to them a message of, I get it, the world has been unfair and harsh with you um, in the same way that it has kind of been harsh with me. And here's how you can see it has been harsh with me. This is how I'm dealing with the challenges. When they look at the average older man in the, in, in, in the church, what do they know of your life? What do they know of the, the what's actually going on in your life? The, um, uh, do they know anything of how you actually got, uh, got, got married? God found your wife and decided that she is the one whom you will marry. Do they know anything of the struggles that you faced in actually trying to, to get your wife? Do they know of any of the struggles in our context, in the African context? Do they know of any of the struggles that you had trying to raise the money for a bride price? My, my Western listeners would, uh, would not exactly have an idea of our system of Lawola, but you, those who are uh, speaking, those who are understanding it from the African context, do they, do they know anything? Of that, or do they think no? You had a smooth ride all the way to your marriage, and so with the issues that they are facing, they are unable to make connections 
that these people know and understand what I'm going through. And in all of this, it's not like you bring them into your home and in one session, you give them your entire life story and they get to know it. Instead, because you are hospitable, because of the, the insight that they have into your life, they begin to realize this person is, this is how this person is going through life and walking with God in all of his circumstances. There are a number of men in the church who are dealing with all sorts of diseases, whether it's uh, sort of some sort of diabetes, frequent, uh, frequent ailments, um, uh, even things like migraines, persistent migraines that are bothering you. In the church, men who are dealing with that. And because there's no insight into their lives, young men who are dealing with similar issues think that they have to walk this road alone. The only insight they have into a sort of good relations between men is what they see online. They don't see your friendships in depth between you and your friends, how that plays out. They don't see the relationship between you and your wife as played out in the home to see that this is what an actual relationship looks like. This is something to aspire to. The best example that they have of that is online with Andrew Tate. And so how can you win against this when his world looks real and yours looks fake? When you tell them, don't get into a relationship too, too soon because uh, don't get into a relationship when you're not ready. What does that even mean? What insight do they have into your life that tells them that this, this, this is, this, th these are the dangers around getting, to a, getting into a relationship too soon? That the struggle for sexual purity if you're in a relationship too long is difficult. What insight do they have into your life? Now, if your expectation is that you're going to sit on this throne of authority, and have the articulation of a John MacArthur. You say it in one go, they'll take it, they'll go away and they'll run with it for the rest of their lives. You're fooling yourself. And the vast majority in the church are fooling themselves, shouting at these young men about why they're, you are vain, you are, you, are, you, are, you are naive, you have all of these things in mind, trying to follow the world. But that's, you see, that's not why. That's not exactly what's going on in this instance. The reason they are following is because in him, they think they are seeing the real world. And in you, all they are seeing is this veneer that is perfect. No problems, no issues. So this is the contrast. You've got one that is a gifted teacher in a John MacArthur. You've got another who's shown hospitality. I'm sure if, if, if you're following this, if you're tracking with this, you're actually able to see pictures of this in your church. You've got those who have this teaching, they, 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 they want to just sit, they, they want to sit and teach and just, this is the, this is the truth. They are basically slapping people with, with, with the truth. This is, these are the facts and these facts don't care about your feelings. This, this, this is the truth. This is what the Bible says and you need to obey the Bible. This is the Bible. This is what the Bible says. And they're like, and that's true. That's true. But not all of us have the giftedness of a John MacArthur where we can sit on or we, we, we can sit and, and just teach and it's, and it's hitting home. Not all of us are gifted enough to explain the real world articulately such that the people who listen are able to say, that guy gets it. He understands what's going on. Instead, as we bring these people into our lives by being hospitable, now, we're, now they're able to actually see a world that is messy but glorious. It reflects the glory of God as we are living it out. And, that, and that's the core here. Men in the church need to actually show what's really going on, not just with the young men, but with one another. 
How often do we have men in the church who think that their struggles are of that they're going through these struggles by themselves? Dealing with families that are damaged and broken, siblings that are constantly letting us down. You cannot lend money to anyone, even though they are constantly asking. You can't rely on anyone in your own family. You know that if you tell somebody this, before you know it, it's going to be right across uh, to other members of the family. They, uh, they, they look at you funny because of the, the stances you choose to take, because of the life that you live. All of these things, these are things that other people are going through in the church. Young men are going through, but when they just see you on Sunday smiling and, and shaking hands with them, God be with you, brother, they think your life is perfect and there's nothing wrong in your life. And that's, that's wrong. That's, that's not an accurate statement. So as we bring these people in, all of a sudden they see what the real world is. That marriage is glorious, yes, but it can also be difficult. Even in the difficulty, there's a friendship, there's a camaraderie, there's, 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 there's something that's there within the marriage. That's what it looks like. I've spoken about this in a previous, in a previous uh, um, uh, episode, but the, the kinds of relationships we should embody are such that as people, integra- as people relate to us within these marriages, and marriage is just, a, is just a good example here, as people relate to us within these marriages, they are now able to see their relationships as counterfeit. In last week's uh, last week's blog, I was I, I was talking about how um, uh, people in relationships are behaving like they are married. Why? Why are they behaving like they are married? Because to a large extent, they are unable to see within the context of marriage what a married couple looks like. They're not engaging in homes to say ah, there's something going on here where we are sharing our lives in a way that those guys are doing, and that's not right. Because we are not them. We are not yet married. And so they need to be able to demarcate the lines. They need to be able to see the, the, the difference here. And that's what hospitality does. We are bringing people in and hoping that our lives are a reflection of the glory of God to them. It's not just standing on a podium and, and explaining all of these tough biblical truths. Because not all of us are gifted teachers. And so in this difference, this case study that I've, I've given in brief, contrasting, a John MacArthur and a Douglas Wilson. I, I, I hope you see. It's not even about the, the level of giftedness as a teacher, because one could argue that they are, they are, they are similar, maybe not, uh, maybe not the same or on par, but they are quite similar. Both of them are, are gifted teachers, but there is a way in which one has gone about it. One, one, there's something you can see on one end that you're not seeing on the other. And for us ordinary people, ordinary gentlemen, if you will, one of those is attainable. One of those is attainable by us. And that's the core. The life of hospitality. Hopefully in a future episode, I can talk about how this can be achieved even through an online presence because Tate has somehow managed to be hospitable with an online presence. And the church needs to wake up to that as well. But we'll save that for another day. For now, keep walking with God, read your Bible, pray every day, Live a life of faithful obedience to him and reject modernity wherever you find it. I'll see you next time. This is me jumping back in for one quick clarification. I noticed this while I was editing and figured there's no way this thing can go out without me clarifying this point. It might sound to some of you like I am saying John MacArthur is not hospitable. 
that isn't the point. Uh, it isn't that John MacArthur isn't hospitable. I'm pretty sure he is um, in, in his own way. I'm not, I'm not sure what that looks like. I'm pretty sure John MacArthur is uh, a very hospitable, uh, hospitable man. Uh, instead, it is the uh, proximity, the, the how, how similar could you be in terms of effectiveness? What is achievable to the average man? The teaching ability of John MacArthur to get his points across to these young men, or hospitality as insight into your life that gets them to understand what the real world is. I think it's the latter. If you think it's the former, I would like to hear it. You know how to find me. All my social media stuff is in the, is in the description, wherever, uh, wherever you're seeing it. Uh, but ultimately, uh, that, is, that is the case I'm putting forward here. Not all of us can be great teachers. That is a particular skill um, it, it's developed over time. It is a particular skill. However, hospitality does not take a rocket scientist. Basic guys like me do it all the time. There's your evidence. See ya.